Hello and welcome back. This is now episode 7 of the Bald, Bold, and Golden podcast. As always, I'm Alex Donvan. I will be joined by Ian Waller and Tom Slevin. We have a great show today. We'll be changing things up today. We decided that, honestly, grades were not the best way to go about assessing a game. It's more about the stories. Who are we kidding? And the story of us is sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. A lot of us know something about losing, like your hair. But you know what you do? You live, you learn, you move on, you cover up with a hat, and you look at what's in front of you, and that's what the Irish are going to do. As always, we'll talk about games around the country, hit Q&A, and our picks for the week. Hope you guys enjoy. Once again, we'll start out by talking about college football games around the country. Uh, Before we get to the Fighting Irish, of course, we have a lot to say about that game. But first, once again, the biggest themes of the last few weeks have been separation. Boy, did we see separation at the top. Uh, Do we want to start with Clemson or do we want to start with Bama? I think those are two biggest themes Um, out last week. Even though neither what if we went? Um, what if we went Bama Georgia first? Because I feel like Clemson, just putting them kind of by us, is just an interesting conversation to have, anyways. Because um, Georgia Bama, either way, in relation to Notre Dame, that'll be down the line. Um, do you guys mind yeah. starting with that game? Good with me. I'm fine with that. Fireworks off the bat to start. Yeah, yeah. game was game was weird to have the back to back interceptions was, was was freaking. Yeah. So, but I my my takeaway from that was. Bama's wide receivers, I thought, were incredible. Um, and it's not like Bama pushed around the Georgia defense. It's just the skill guys made unreal plays. Mm-hmm. Unreal plays. And that Georgia skill guys didn't make. Um, but Bama's offense, I think, is, is a very, 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 very good offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have dudes everywhere. Like Mac Jones, I think he's okay. You know, he's not Tua by any stretch of the imagination, but Najee Harris is the classic Alabama running back. Don't know if he's quite on the Heisman running back level like Derrick Henry or Mark Ingram, but, I mean, the dude's a horse. And like you said, the rece- I think the receivers won that game for anything. Yeah, they were incredible. I mean, they were just unstoppable. Yeah, in a, in a word, I'd say the Alabama offense was potent, um, to say the least. Uh, I think that it's another case that, that shows that elite teams have elite receiving cores and are not probably end up beating, beating that dead horse later later in the show. But um, to have Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith run up and down the field around a pretty solid uh, pretty solid Georgia secondary and Georgia defense overall, 
uh, was quite telling. Uh, Alabama's quite good, and I'm uh, I'm I'm a boy of the Mac Jones train. I think he's good. I I, um, I don't think that he's uh, he's too like Dono said, but I think he he's quite good. I think he can play. Yeah, uh, he, he'll be around for a while. In no way he's is he a game manager. Like he's a baller, but he does such yeah. a good job of just getting his playmakers the ball, which is yeah. is what you need. Like. They probably could ask for more of them if they need to, but he does exactly what they need him to do to make that offense as potent as it could be. Um, but on the on the other side, I know I kind of I mentioned this a little bit, but I think it's really interesting the, the struggles that Georgia has at quarterback. Not that Stetson Bennett is a bad quarterback by any means, but when you had Justin Fields and Jacob Eason on on your campus, it's interesting to see that now you're you're stuck with Stetson Bennett at least till JT Daniels come back. Yeah, yeah I, I think in college football today, you know, you there's obviously loyalty is huge for a lot of these coaches. They want to pitch it when they're in the recruits living room, like, oh, yeah, we're not going to take the hot freshman over you. Like, you're a star, you're our guy. But I think, you know, there's at least some waves coming up in Notre Dame. But, you know, if you're Georgia and you put Justin Fields, who's probably going to be in the Heisman conversation, will, like, will Big Ten teams be in the Heisman conversation? Who mm-hmm. knows? But if you put him there, he changes the game because all, all of a sudden now you have the best player on the field. Maybe Jalen Waddle for Alabama, but all of a sudden you put Justin Fields in the game, you have the best player, and that can totally flip the game for them. But, you know, they stuck with uh, Jake Fromm. But, yeah, like was Jake Fromm the guy? That's not worth it at all. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, Clemson did it. They saw, like Kelly Lawrence was good for them. Kelly Lawrence was a good quarterback mm-hmm. for them. And then Dabo was like, I mean, yeah, but Trevor Lawrence. Like Jake Fromm. <laughs> Yeah, but Justin Fields, like you got to make that switch. Yeah, I'd agree. And on another note, I thought that the uh, the Alabama offensive line played really well too against a pretty stout Georgia defensive line. Um, I didn't say I wouldn't say that the Georgia defense got dominated. I think they just got outlasted. Uh, um, but I thought that 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 Alabama offensive line would be. I mean, it's so scary knowing that you can you know if you're not doubling Jalen Waddle then. If you're doubling Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith's going to be open. If you're doubling him, Jalen Waddle's going to be open. If you're playing two high safeties, you probably have John Mechie open somewhere. It's kind of absurd how, you know, you have that many weapons. It makes you impossible to guard. Now, in Notre Dame, recently we've had, you know, maybe one stud at receiver, double him. Then, you know, we don't have another guy that strikes fear into the heart of the defense, you know. Tight end. That's where you, it's where we gotta go to our tight end positions. I think like if, if we if we were to play Bama, and this is looking way down the line. If we were to play him this year, like like Kevin Austin, whoever's gonna be is not gonna beat Patrick Sertan Jr. on on the outside. Yeah. Like we're gonna have to go to Michael Mara, to Tommy Tremble, um, and have those guys make big plays. All right, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We are getting so far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Before I mean, we move on to before we move on to Clemson, I wanna take a look at uh, two other things so I'm realizing. Uh, an interesting day in the SEC overall with uh, with the ranked Tennessee losing at home and, and Auburn losing to, to South Carolina, kind of cutting off the the middle middle kind of eliminating the middle class in the SEC as far as uh, teams that can contend. Uh, the yeah. short, short, shortens the list a little bit. Uh, we, we were kind of we were kind of off on that, I guess. I mean, I think early in the year, I kind of thought the SEC would beat up on each other and like. Not that they're not beating up each other. Like Arkansas should have had a win at Auburn as well. Um, Kentucky beating Tennessee, taking away that middle class. But it, it doesn't look like you're going to get a good like a good game from Auburn and Alabama. It seems like Alabama should absolutely roll there. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of solid but not great teams at the SEC. 
But all right, should we move on to Clemson if we want to stay on the topic of striking fear into our hearts? I mean, my goodness. Like, I thought that score was a joke. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's not what I needed for my day. I mean, I, I admittedly, I was like, I think Georgia Tech could maybe, you know, get them sleeping here. Maybe get them sleeping. And it was like 43 to 7 within three minutes. I mean, if you want to apply the transitive property to sports in Clemson, beat Georgia Tech 73-7. Georgia Tech beat Louisville by two touchdowns. We only beat them by five. If you want to apply numbers, and hopefully the, this doesn't happen, but Clemson would have beaten Notre Dame on, strictly on paper by over 70 points on Saturday. Nice, nice, nice. So, yeah, that makes me feel really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually I would say the transitive property kind of applies, but uh, – I don't think we lose by 70. I, I don't think we lose by 70, not at all. But it's also just such a wild year in college football. And, and Georgia Tech, yeah. just in general, is still just figuring out, like, first-year head coach. They're still trying to get their feet underneath them. So – I think it, that more is just Clemson is so so darn good. Like they are incredible. Yeah, I think I think I think notice for sure. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is I don't think they'll play that well the rest of the season. I think that was their A plus game. They, I don't think there's going to be teams that will be as bad. You know, schematically, I think they probably had the perfect game plan, and on the flip side, Georgia Tech had the worst possible, and then. Every the perfect storm, you know, that you don't beat division one power five teams by 65 points very often. Obviously, part of it is due to their talent. Georgia Tech's still kind of rebuilding, but Georgia Tech has been fairly solid this year. I think it was just a perfect storm. I don't think Clemson's going to have that perfect of execution the rest of the year, but yeah. And elsewhere on the country, if we head out west, the Mormons will not stop putting up points. Those dudes are ballers. Dabbing my lock of the week. Um, they're still undefeated. I'm not exactly sure what the rest of their schedule looks like, but do you guys think they can make a run? Maybe find themselves in, in position to make that playoff? I think they're going to need a lot of help. Um, yeah. I think they're, uh, they're, they're a very good team, don't get me wrong, and I think that they're probably the best uh, best non-Power 5 team. Um, but I think they would, need, they, would, they would need to stay undefeated. Um, I think they have Boise State on their schedule, mm-hmm. um, some of the Mountain West teams. I think they would need to stay undefeated through that slate, um, and we need a lot of help. I think you need to see the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC begin to beat up on each other in a big way um, for them for them to really have a, a legitimate chance. Um, so probably not, um, despite them maybe being deserving. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the biggest thing hurting them is they're just they're just not going to have a Power Five win on their resume. Yeah, yeah, it hurts. They're fun to well, watch. If there was a year to happen, it'll it's this year. It is. I think true. you would you would need multiple conference champions with two losses. Yeah, honestly. which I mean, it looks like Bama should it's roll and then maybe play maybe play Georgia again. So I, I'm pretty confident penciling in Bama for the SEC. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, finally, Big Ten, they're back. Uh, not a huge slate this week in terms of marquee matchups. Uh, we'll get to the biggest one, I guess, which is Michigan against the fighting PJ Flex of Minnesota. Row the boat. Row the boat. boat, baby. My life was okay without Big Ten football. Not yeah, no, I got by. I got by just fine, honestly. I mean, like, I will say, like, it's not bad seeing, like, a Purdue-Indiana slugfest at, at 11 a.m., but uh, I was all right. 
unpopular, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I'm very happy to have him back. I think they are, they are a source of enjoyment for my kind of football watching. So that's fair. Uh, but like yeah. from from where I am, me me and Dono, you can uh, you can speak to it out east though, Slev. But from, in the Midwest, the Big Ten is more just of an annoyance for us. <laughs> hey, it's like, come on. Like, other than Ohio State, come on, get out of here. Yeah, and Ohio State fans are the worst people on the planet. <laughs> take. They're insufferable. Um, I don't think that's so a bad take. We, we, we can talk to them when they start doing stuff on the field. Uh, but until then, let's just uh, leave them their bubble. In my mind, you know, Big Ten is not kicked off yet, so I don't care. Yeah. Um, Do you think right. they should uh, be penalized at all for the eight-game schedule when it if comes to the playoffs? Game, if you lose a game, you're out. Yeah, I think, and that's a, I think it's a penalty. That's a penalty in and of itself. Yeah, they've, they've kind of yeah. penalized themselves, handicapped themselves. I don't mm-hmm. think there's there should be any extra penalty, but yeah, at least they do have Ohio State playing Penn State and Michigan. I don't think they're going to play Wisconsin anyway. But I, oh, I think Wisconsin avoided at yeah, least Ohio State. Yeah, I don't I think know Wisconsin. Wisconsin lucked out on their schedule a little bit. Um, I know so, Michigan. Michigan's looking at a tough eight game schedule. Yeah, uh, who who cares about that? We can yeah. dig into ask, that later. Ask me if I feel bad for the Wolverines. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited <laughs> for like three weeks from now to to going into the hardball in the hot seat. Oh, yeah. conversation. Oh. Like, if you guys want to accelerate that process and do it like next week, I'm I'm here for it because I can do it every single week of the season. It's awesome. So so long as things go according to plan uh, in Minnesota, I think we can get that conversation kicked off. Yeah, all right, sure. We'll, we'll we'll pencil it in then for next week. All right, should we move on to 12-7? God, no. If we, if we have to. Yeah, sheesh. I guess we have to. So um, it's the most stressful uh, game I've watched all year from the Irish. It w- I did not have the feeling I had against Florida State that it was we were going to pull it out regardless. It looked like we were stuck in the mud both on offense, defense. I feel much better now than I did on Saturday about it. We gave up seven points. Uh, yeah, solid. But uh, we can dig in the thoughts. What are your guys' initial thoughts on beating Louisville twelve to seven? Slav, you want to go first? Yeah, uh, I had to. I uh, I got the chance to rewatch the game, um, and one of the things that like stuck out immediately to me um, was right before kickoff, Tariko Mike Tariko said that the stadium, the stadium, and the environment had felt flatter than it had for any other game for any other game this season. Um, and I, that to me, that kind of came through on TV on the initial watch and the secondary watch. It, um, it just, maybe, maybe it was the win. Maybe it was because it was overcast. Uh, maybe because it's the fourth home game in a row, but it, it, for some reason it, the whole thing just felt flat. And I think that kind of set a tone for the rest of the day. Um, one thing to take away from that on my end is that it, it's, it is, I, I was very negative, and I'm still very negative about the performance that was put on the field on Saturday. But if there's one thing that's positive, is it's good to see that Notre Dame can still pull one out. Excuse me, they can still pull one out uh, even when they don't bring their best. When you know when they bring their C game on offense, um, and when the stadium's flat, it was good. That's I guess that's still a good thing. The other thing I want to touch on is that Louisville's athleticism beat Notre Dame, or Louisville's athleticism gave Notre Dame issues, but not in the way I thought it would. Um, they did not, um, 
it was not the it was not the speed uh, and the athleticism of Cunningham and Hawkins and Tutu Atwell that were that were the issues for Notre Dame. I thought we contained them pretty well, kind of shut kind of shut them down. Um, it was this it was the athleticism of their defense and their secondary that that gave us fits. Notre Dame mm-hmm. wide receivers got next to no separation. Um, to say that they got any separation would be generous. Um, and they uh, they sent they sent a ton of corner and safety a lot of corner blitzes especially that Notre Dame had a lot of difficulty picking up. Um, I and, and I think that kind of showed that 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 put us in a lot that put us behind the sticks a lot put us put us behind schedule um, as far as downs are concerned and and uh, you know we're, I think we're just I think we're lucky to escape Saturday with, with a W. So I watching it on Saturday I kind of forgot about. Louisville losing to Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech losing to Clemson 73-7. I, I, I kind of let that go, and then especially on that last drive, I was like, let's just let's just win this game, win this game. It's a crazy year in college football. A win's a win. That happened. I was relieved. I, I was pumped for a win. And I was like, I'm going to go sit down and enjoy my Saturday knowing that we're going to move up to that number three spot in the country because Georgia Bama's going to lose. Then I woke up on Sunday, and I was like, that, like no, like win – a win is not a win. And I started doing that transitive math that you were doing, Dono, and I was like, mm-hmm. we just watched Clemson beat a team 73-7 to that beat a team that we just beat 12-7. to And I started thinking about that, and I was like, all right, what do we want to beat? We don't want to be a team that beats Louisville at home 12-7. to Like, that's not what we should try to be. Like, it's enough moral victories. Like, go out and get better and show that you've gotten better. Go out and be a beast and and – a team that nobody can handle, and we were handled by Louisville. And I was livid when I woke up on Sunday. Like, that can't happen because we mm-hmm. e- we easily could have lost if we don't get yep if we don't get a, like one of those last first downs. They could come down and score, oh. and we're talking a completely different conversation I mean, or, right now. Or, or if you know we get a penalty that I honestly didn't know existed, it was the right call by the rules. The onside kick, but one? yeah, the onside yeah, kick. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, the penalty that I totally was not expecting. That game could be you know, fourteen yeah. nine at the time in the blink, or I think we had six. Yeah, it could have been fourteen six in the blink of an eye. So what was the call that he started blocking before it went ten yards? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was Jack Lamb was sitting in that front and center yeah. position on kickoff. Shout out, that's what I played in high school. Hands <laughs> uh, team. Yeah, and uh, they hit him before the ball got ten yards, so they yeah. were ahead of the ball, and I guess that's a penalty. I think that's yeah. part of how they've revamped onside kicks at all levels of football recently. I think that's part of it. I mean, how many, do you think Jack Lamb even knew that rule? No. no. He was waiting <laughs> I, don't think anybody, I don't think anybody knew it. Thank God. Because um, I mean, nobody, 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 get that ball. nobody <laughs> really seemed to be, nobody really seemed to be angry about it, about him getting hit early on the field. Right. Um, also, I'll give Louisville credit, kicker credit. That was pretty well executed. Yeah. Um, they're about, they're about, a, they're about, a half a foot away from from landing on that football legally, um, that was that was great on on their end. Yeah. And then, but then we're 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 three and one, and we've lost to Louisville, and our season is looking completely different. So, I mean, we just can't ever put ourselves in a position to lose that game. Mm-hmm. No, I think the biggest thing for me is just you know I I will give a team I think every. Unless you are truly elite, we're talking about truly elite teams. You know, 2018 Clemson comes to mind, but even they had close games throughout the year. You know, they did they lose? No, they, they didn't lose. They were undefeated the whole way out, but they, they have close games throughout. They barely beat a bad Syracuse team. 
but um, their quarterback got hurt. Yeah, it was still, it was close until then. Now they were losing. Chase Bryce had to lead them back. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I would say unless you are one of those all-time great college football teams, every team has a dud at some point in the season. Ours, for example, came against Michigan last year. Just so happened that they were actually a good team and could punish us. Thankfully, Louisville was not a good team that could could have put us in a hole big time early. Uh, you know, they had skill guys. Our defense stepped up, but you know, hopefully, that's the dud. Uh, if it's not, we have real issues. The biggest thing for me concerning that is there seemed to be no sense of urgency throughout the game at all, at all. You know, at all. They just played complacent. They're just like, all right, field goal, field goal, field goal. Get into the red zone. You know, it's it was complacent be- coaching. It was complacent coaching. I yeah. thought, like we, our coaches put our put us in a spot. Yeah, they put us in a spot to win, but they also put us in a spot with the potential to lose. And it, it, and they they should be livid after that. Like the the press conference and the, the behavior after that should be unacceptable. That's unacceptable. We like we can't even be that close. But that that wasn't. I don't know about you guys. That's not how what I what I took away from how Kelly acted this past week. No, and I that that Samson tweet. I'm gonna find it right now. That Samson tweet was uh, was I thought pretty. Oh here, um, mm-hmm. oh, was pretty pretty spot on. Oh here it is. Okay, so Brian. So his tweet after the game is Brian Kelly calls the game a great learning point for Notre Dame. Samson responded by saying the Irish have have a third year starting quarterback, all five starters back on the offensive line, plus two fifth year seniors at receiver. I, I I agree. I just I just don't think that. You can if if you want to be competing competing on a, on a national level on an elite level, um, you can't afford to have learning points uh, against a conference opponent uh, in game four, uh, knowing that knowing that you have uh, you, you have probably the best team in the country coming up in a few weeks and a very difficult game next week uh, against Pitt. I, I was I was very frustrated by by Kelly's post game press conference for sure. You know who had a great learning week is Clemson because they, yep. their entire first unit was out after the first half. So there's there's a lot of learning to be done from your second and third string guys when you're up 45 to 7. So if you want to learn, Brian Kelly, get up by 35 points and put the other guys in there. The thing that frustrates me the most about that tweet is like, yeah, like fifth-year seniors. Javon McKinley and Ian Book, you know, Brian Kelly's like, yeah, they need some time to get on the same page. These dudes have been probably running the same shit for five years. They're both on the scout team in 2016. Like, mm-hmm. you need five years to get on the same page with a guy. What the hell are you doing? Like, something's obviously not working. Uh, I think it was clear that Javon McKinley, as good as he is as a blocker and as you know, how well that's paid off for a running game, I you, you have to sacrifice it at some point yeah. for explosiveness. Yeah. You're a wide receiver. You're not a wide blocker. Go out and catch the balls and get open. And, him and, and Chronicles like having two more tight ends. We have enough tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say this too. I think that there's 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 fault on both ends. Um, that I think the book missed. You know, I, on, on a rewatch, I think book missed a lot of throws, leaving mm-hmm. some short. Um, but there's a few times where the ball hits Javon McKinley in the hands, specifically one that I'm remembering. It was I think it was a third down going into the yeah. going into the end zone. The face is touching into the north end zone. The one that faces touchdown, Jesus, and Javon McKinley goes past the sticks, comes back, and it hits some kind of instead of catching with his hands, he kind of catches it with you know in his body, and 
it gets poked away, and and it, and that goes from third and seven instead of a first down. Now you know now you got to bring Door back out for another field goal. Uh, it was it was very frustrating um, to see, it, and I, I know you guys will agree with this, but just how absolutely one dimensional uh, th- this team this team is right now. Um, you you don't have uh, you don't have a threat on the outside. Um, you don't have a, you know, you don't have a threat on the outside. You don't have a threat down the field. Um, it's, uh, it's extremely frustrating to watch knowing that, um, that some point, you know, that's going to, that's, that, that's going to come calling. Um, some, that some point might be this week. Um, if, as soon as one, a team can figure out how to shut down the running game, um, Ian book and the receivers are going to have to beat somebody. So I will say this. I did not mind the game plan by Tommy Reese at all. I, I think, think I did. I didn't either. I didn't either. So he, he came out, we threw the ball, I think, on seven or maybe even nine of our first 11 plays. And I didn't mind that at all. Yet at mm-hmm. some point, like, you have to, like, I think that was honestly him saying to, from Ian Book, you know, also to Ian Book, you know, can you make plays with McKinley, Skoranek, and Avery Davis out there as your starting three guys? I think the answer is unequivocally no. I think if you have Kevin Austin out there and Lawrence Keys on the slide, who I think is better than Avery Davis, but honestly, like he's been banged up for the last three years. We've been hearing that he's you know, in the lineup. It's not. Never seen him. Uh, but, you know, he's never seen him make a real play. But at some point, you know, you give so George probably. Johnson looks, you give Xavier. It's obvious that, like, what they have now, it just can't get it done against teams. Are we, uh, are we getting into uh, this receiver chat? Because I, yeah, I mean, I more, just like more roundabout way there. Defense seven yeah. points against Louisville. That's a good performance from the defense. Thank you, defense. Clearly, the wide receivers right now is what us three labels the problem, right? Or or the passing game. We'll say the passing game. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll hit a quick just point on Clarkley. I think he had the perfect game plan for Louisville. The way they win games offensively is they're going to have to outscore people, and they really struggle to go. You know, yeah. more than like a five, six play drive. So he played off. I'm okay with giving up that. You know, I think Tutu Atwell had a 28 yard reception. I think there was, they had one more play that was above 25 yards. I'm okay with that as long as that 25 doesn't turn into 75. And he did and that. Did. He showed, you know, they had, they had the one drive. That's fine. I, I think Louisville will probably score more than seven points when they play Clemson. Yeah. Probably. It might be against, it might be against Clemson's third stringers, but, but that's also because like Louisville probably had like six, maybe seven drives. Like that clock, seven drives. The clock was moving. Each, each team had seven drives. I'll yeah. say I'll say two things. I'll say two things mm-hmm. on this. One, if there's one thing that Notre Dame did well was that was on offense they chewed the clock. They had numerous drives north of five minutes. Mm-hmm. They uh, they really shortened this game in a game that I probably couldn't have taken much more of. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that they did that. <laughs> On another thing, uh, D, I agree with everything you just said. I thought that Clark Lee put together a really solid game plan. The defense played really well. Um, guys on the outside looked good. Um, defensive line did a really, really good job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the line. We had zero sacks and zero no hurries. Yeah, okay, I should walk. They have room to improve for sure. They have room to improve. I thought they played well. And my my but my my butt with the defensive line was it was tough to see Foskey get less than five snaps. Yeah. I Which I, I think they're I, working to improve, right? If I saw correctly in Brian Kelly's conference or press conference, he's and talking he, yeah, he was and getting yeah, him some more yeah. snaps. But like, why, like why was that? Why why yeah. is that a problem? Why is he not getting more snaps? Who is out there that's I, producing more than him? Well, I, I think it might be. 
I think he, you know, I, they said D line room was one of the rooms hit by COVID. And, you know, I don't want okay. to say that he had it. All but right. Speculation has been there that, you that's know, good. maybe he's that's getting back. I know we, we like point. barely saw him against Florida State. I don't even know if he got a snap against Florida State. Might have been still been that, out. That's but. great COVID analysis, D. Really and, good job. I, that's well I, th- I think that's. Um, I think we will see a lot more of Isaiah Foskey this year. All right. Good. But we're we're playing like Howard Cross, like okay, great, like developing young talent. But yeah, I wish we could see that on the other side. To to bring us back, I wish we could see that same willingness to play young guys on the other side of the ball. I'm with you. Like we, so all right, I'm back. Yes, you guys spoke on everything. I'm with you on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm back to this wide receiver issue because I want to talk about it. It won the game for Alabama against Georgia. It literally won the game. It won the game in the biggest game of the year. The George Alabama's wide receivers are. First of all, they are so well coached. Like, if you watch their route, like they're so crisp on their route running. Like, so my question to you guys is: We have brought in, we've we've recruited talent. We haven't recruited Alabama a lot of talent, clearly, but we've recruited talent that is played in the NFL. We we see Miles Boykin, we see Chase Claypool. I don't feel that their production at Notre Dame equaled their talent. And then the other talent that is in the NFL, but that is on our team currently and has been on our team in the past, has not produced to their potential. Who's to blame? I'll give you some names. Is it Dal Alexander, wide receiver position coach? Is it our quarterbacks, being Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush before that? Or is it our offensive coordinators, Chip Long and Tommy Reese? I think it, it blame can be spread around a number of ways. Um, I think I would honestly – it's pretty cool. I think Dell Alexander has to be a better job. Like you said, those Alabama guys running their routes, part of it's due to their athleticism. But I mean, Claypool, he's got the closest combine measurements of Calvin Johnson since Calvin scored Johnson four himself. touchdowns in an NFL game. <laughs> yeah. Literally, Colin Cowherd makes Notre Dame hater ever is comparing him to Megatron. Yeah. I mean, you know, at some point, I think it falls on all of them. Dell Alexander needs to do a better job coaching them on, you know, the little things running their routes. But at the same time, you can't make that the sole focus. You can't just put your best route runner on the field. At some point you have to say, all right, you know, Jordan Johnson can do things athletically that Ben Skoranek physically cannot. Yeah. So I need to put Jordan Johnson on the field and get him the ball and just see what he can do. They're not doing that though. They're not, they're like, Oh, he's a fifth year grad. Like what is his experience doing for us really right now? Yeah. The second thing that I would say is, you know, we're not, scheming them, I guess, to their strengths. You know. Yeah, the uh the fade right to McKinley really bothered me. Um I'm just not I'm not a fan of of throwing fades down there. Uh you know as a as a reliable way to score. Um and McKinley has shown me nothing to prove that he has the hands to go high point of football um and, and come down with it uh with some with somebody on him. Uh I'm at, I'm at a point where don't throw to Javon McKinley uh unless she's wide open. If you're gonna um, throw a fade, like, if you're gonna throw a fade, Michael Mayer, like you can line your yeah. tight ends up out wide. Tommy Tremble, Tommy Tremble, like let him go. If the, he, Michael Mayer played, he won a couple state championships, played basketball. Yeah, I don't uh, know, his, don't know his rebounding numbers, but I'm, I bet he had some boards. I don't like to, I don't like to hammer sure. a guy, but McKinley has shown me nothing to prove that that he should be the feature receiver on the goal line uh, for a fade. Um, absolutely nothing, um, and and that was that was quite frustrating. I mean, it feels a little bit like it's like, oh, he's paid his dues. Like, it's his time. Like, all right. But maybe not. I've, 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 seen, I've, seen, a four game, I've seen a four-game tryout, and, uh, and I'm less than enthused. And I, I, don't, I don't care about the dues anymore. And he, he has a role. He has a role in this offense as a pass blocker or as a run blocker. 
Um, and, and you can find another role for him, but you just got to find another alternative to throwing a fade to him at the goal line. Yeah. And I think Ian, Ian you asked about like, where do you, where do you put the blame? Um, and I think like for me, I, I, from having conversations with, with people on the program, I, I'm not sure that everybody is the biggest Ally Alexander fan, um, especially his position group. I think some people get along with him. Some people really don't. Um, he recruits so, well. I think he recruits he, he, really he, well. He recruits well. He, I think he recruits to to his situation well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I think there's there's probably some some work that could be done there. Um, I don't you have a huge issue overall with, uh, with with the play calling. I you have you have to at some point start to stretch the field with whatever talent you have. Um, for me, I think that I think a big portion of the cal- of the problem of the blame should come down. On Brian Kelly because a lot of these guys, a lot of these young guys like don't see the field. I think it's proven in other places around the country that that if you have athletes who are young, they don't necessarily have to sit there um, for a while before before they can before they can be a difference maker before they can produce. I know that's like a Notre Dame thing, and I think you see it with Notre Dame basketball as well. If you want to draw an analogy, like mm-hmm. you know, you come into Mike Bray's system, the way it usually works is that you're sitting for a year. Some more time second year, and then by third and fourth year, you, you know you're ready to go. Um, and that's usually how it works with football. I, I, I don't have a problem with that, but it, it, I'm at a, I'm at a, I'm at an inflection point with Notre Dame with the Notre Dame receiving core and the Notre Dame passing game where um, I'm done. I'm done giving guys what they're owed for for the time they've put in the program, and I don't really, um, I don't exactly know what the traits were that Kelly was talking about earlier with Jordan Johnson. But yeah, the dude, the dude is too athletic. And has great size. I, I I need I need to see him on the field because because the, you're you're playing this weekend, and I, I, he's probably not going to travel this weekend to Pitt, uh, which is frustrating. Just given the depth chart that I saw and yeah. and the set and the seventy and the seventy limit. Um, but I'm at a, I'm at a point where Notre Dame offense is completely one dimensional, and they're playing a really good rush defense this weekend that we'll get to. Um, if if somebody can shut down their run, it's going to be a very very long day. Should we uh, so, should we get should we get to it? I don't I, I don't know if you guys have any anything else you want to get off your chest. I know that I, I, yeah. I just kind of. Right. I mean I'm 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 super frustrated. Um, I I think I think we're I think Ian Book for all of his shortcomings. Right now, the passing game is not entirely on him. He misses some no. throws, but I mean you just have to get open for him. Like I don't know if it's the release. Or it's the inability to cut out a break at the top of your route, but there is zero separation. I don't know if the route tree they're running is all that creative, um, but like you're showing it. These, there's cover sacks all over the place. Our our, our O line can block, and Book is scanning the fields. You can see him checking his options, and he's got nothing. He's got nothing. And and I think it's Dell Alexander because it's on him once he gets those guys on campus and into his wide receiver room to develop them into the talents he recruited them to be. So who cares if you're a good recruiter if it means nothing? You recruit the whole player. So I mean, I I, I think it's Dell Alexander, and I think that's 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 an area that 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 Coach Kelly has to seriously take a look at. I mean, you saw Jeremy Pruitt just dump his defensive line coach after their loss this week in Week yeah. Four. Not saying that that's what Kelly should do, but you just got to keep an eye on your entire program, and that's part of the program that's not meeting expectations right now. And the separation thing really is really, really highlighted. I think when when NBC does the does the camera behind the play, yeah, you know, behind yep. that, that shows behind the offensive line and shows Book's pocket. If you look at that, if you look down the field behind beyond the offensive line, 
there is always somebody glued to every Notre Dame wide oh receiver. Oh my god! The, no, nobody can create separation. And the times that I've seen them make catches before is when they is. And I'll give them credit for this. It's guys like Skoranek and 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 uh, and McKinley and um, um, and Kevin Austin who were able to find soft zones, soft spots in zone coverage. Yeah. But if they get if they get manned up, nobody nobody can create separation. And I agree with you what you just said about book is. Um, it's very difficult for Book to feel good about throwing the ball down the field if he can't get into a rhythm early because nobody's open or because balls are dropped. If yep. you can't get into it's, if you can't get into any rhythm, it's going to be very difficult for, for anybody to feel comfortable stepping up in the pocket and, and, uh, and letting one go down the field. So, I'm with them. Thank you, thank you for that, Slev. I'm, okay. I'm gassed I have, up I have with a quick you. hypothetical. Yep. Yep. All right. I have a hypothetical. Um, would you trade? Let's see. I don't really – I wasn't a huge fan of Louisville's receiver core, but I think they were better. The thing I like is we talked about true game changers at the level we want to compete at. That's what Bama has. Obviously, the best part of our offense right now is the O-line. So would you guys trade two of our offensive linemen, either the left side or the right side? We'll leave Patterson out of it. Uh, I guess I'd say they're almost equal. Like We're pretty damn solid across the board. But Banks and Eichenberg, for example, they're out. Like they're just out for the year. Whoever's our two backups, there just come in, replace them, freshmen, sophomores, in exchange for one of Bama's wide receivers, just one. I'm an Would I'm an hear? immediate yes for that. I, I I was not when you were talking about a whole offensive line unit. Um, more so because our offensive line in the fourth quarter won us the game yeah. with those six minute with that six minute drive to end it. Um, but again, watching those, if we, if I had Jalen Waddle, um, give book two seconds and he, he can find that he can get that kid the ball, like, and then he'll do, he'll win us a game. Like, I think those guys were so electric and that'd be such a jump up from what we already have. And I'm kind of confident that our O-line, we can kind of slide somebody in cause we've seen that in the past, but mm-hmm. I, I think Jalen Waddle would, would take us to the next level instantly. I'm a much more reluctant. Yes. Um, I think the way it would have to go is if you say you were to dump Eichenberg and Banks, you'd have to shift either Kramer or Hainsey over and leave one of them each on, on the respective sides um, and then bring in a new tackle on the right or a new tack or, you know, or whatever you, whatever you'd like to do um, for it to work. But, you know, if, if, to have a receiver as special as a Jalen Waddle or as special as Devonta Smith or, um, uh, you know, I think I, I, it's it'd be it's a very difficult thing to say no to. So I'm I'm, relu- I'm reluctantly saying yes because I, I I love the offensive line and I think it's a championship offensive line. Um, and you don't need a lot from everywhere else, but to to have absolutely nothing coming from everywhere else, it, it's not going to be enough. How about you, D? Yeah, I'd say my, the biggest takeaway I had when watching that uh, Bama Georgia game was whenever Mac Jones would get out of the pocket, start running around. We've seen it with Ian Book, like. Kept his eyes downfield. That's one thing Book needs to do a better job of. But, you know, his eyes are downfield. Those guys will, like, they'll break out of their routes. All of a sudden, there's eight yards of separation. Yep. You know, they'll. I think one thing with Bama's receivers is they'll run their route. Like, for example, it's an in route. They don't just keep going to the other sideline. They'll get to a certain point on the field and then – Oh, sorry. I thought I cut out there. Uh, I'll cut that out. It's a safe assumption. They get to, yeah. They get to a certain point on the field – and then they just stop and then just get open. It's backyard football. And I think that's something we need in our offense. And those guys just have the ability to just make one cut and be wide open. So I don't know. 
All right. Before and hold on. Um, before we go to Pitt, before we go to Pitt, one thing, I do want to give Ian Book credit. Um, we needed we needed a play in like the worst way possible, um, and he stepped up and made a guy miss uh, and dove for the end zone. Um, I'm not. I don't think he played great, but it was it was good to see him make a great play. Uh, and put Notre Dame in position to win the game the way it was going. Um, I, I don't. I, I think I think we've been kind of critical of him. Uh, I do want to give him credit for that. Um, it was good to see a senior leader step up and make a play in a spot that we really needed it. I agree with that. All right. Does anyone else have anything before we move on to Pitt? I think. Uh, I think well, I'm probably probably uh, more stuff about last week will come up. We're talking about Pitt. Um, yeah, but I mean, for me, for me, this game is—it's time to play football. Like the season starts. Yeah. Yep. Someone was uh, tweeting on the Ball Bold and Gold Twitter account on uh, Saturday after the game, and they said, you know, and actually it was me. Fuck it. Yeah, obviously it was me. Um, <laughs> I'm the only one who tweets almost the exact same thing twice for no reason. But like I said, you know, I'll—I'm willing to give. Okay, it, it paused for a while. I'm sorry. I'm willing to give a team a dud. Like, and that's a dud. It happens happens to every football team at damn near every level, unless you're truly elite. Notre Dame's not. And so if that's a dud, fine, move on. I think Kelly, you know, he sounded content in his postgame presser. I think there was a little more fire behind that. At least I hope there was. All right. I hope so too. But I'd hope that, I'd hope so that they I, can do the take care of I want to see us just – Fucking sucker punch them. Pitt's not – they're good. They're not great. Clemson sucker punch in Pitt if they're playing them. Why not us? We have to. Nope. If we want, you know, our national reputation to be maintained, you know, everyone saw us shit the bed last week. We won. But, you know, perception is just like, oh, I would put BYU ahead of Notre Dame right now. I would put Cincinnati ahead of Notre Dame. No, we would beat both those teams. I'm very confident in that. But we need to show that you know we should be at least ranked the number three team in the country. I bet we get jumped by Ohio State in all honesty. But we need to at least show that we belong, and that starts with you know punch a pit in the mouth. The number one rushing defense in the country. We, you know, our stats don't show we're not a military academy. We have a little more balanced offense, but in terms of talent, you know, on the offensive line at running back, we're damn near the number one running team in the country. So strength on strength. Let's see who wins. Yeah, uh, Slev, I think you'll probably have have a lot uh, to say on that. But I'm with you. I'm with you, Don. I, I I think there's no reason why we still can't can't blow them out. There's a ton of reasons to be worried, but there's also a ton of reasons that we should be able to handle them with no with no issue. The the main being, besides maybe their D line, we are better at every other aspect of the game, and and mm-hmm. and, and I think for once we ought to show that. So um, there are a ton of reasons to be worried, and. Here to t- like fast forward a week, and we're talking about a loss. I would not be shocked, uh, but I, but I think this is a game. Like I'm with you. We should be able to come out there and look to dominate, look to absolutely blow them out of the stadium. The big ketchup bottle, as it's called. <laughs> I uh, I'm really hopeful. I'm really hopeful that Notre Dame responds responds to a game they know they should have played better in, um, and shows it. Um, but. As I stand right now, I would have had a, if I was voting in the AP bowl, I would have had a very difficult time. I would have a very difficult time dropping Georgia beneath Notre Dame, uh, mm-hmm. despite the loss. Uh, yep. Despite the loss, and and I, I just I'm I'm anti if if you lose you have to move down, uh, or if you win you have to move up, um, more so. 
uh, I, I would have had a very difficult time putting putting Notre Dame ahead of ahead of Georgia. So I hope that this week changes that changes that perception for a lot of people. Uh, and D, like you mentioned, like teams put up duds. Uh, we saw it. North Carolina went down to Tallahassee, and, and they put up a dud, uh, and it cost them. It cost them. It cost them a win, um, which which is great news for us. Uh, it was good to come out of it, come out of a dud with a win. Uh, yeah, we we were lucky in that aspect. Um, but uh, I just I really hope that, that this team. I'm not, I'm not going to put all my eggs in the basket there, but I'm really hoping this team can respond well um, and, and put up some points um, and and really show that really show that they are a step above uh, above some of the other teams in the country. Um, but yeah, it's for me the, the biggest thing this weekend is. Um, is is the strength on strength? Uh, I think Pitt's defense, D defensive line, uh, is really, 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 really good. I think that they, they have obvious some NFL NFL level talent up there. Um, it'll be it'll be the best part of the game to watch uh, for sure. Um, I think they're really going to force. I think that defensive line. I think we'll still be able to run the ball, but I certainly think that if um, that if they if, if they have any say about it, they're going to make Ian Book beat Notre Dame uh, beat Pitt. They're gonna make yeah. Ian Book in the receiving core beat beat Pitt. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. and I, I, I guess I'm excited for that challenge. Uh, I would like to see how how the boys how, how the boys in, in blue and gold respond. Um, yeah, but but we'll but we'll see we'll see. And I think it, yeah. I, I'm I, I am worried about Saturday, admittedly. Yeah, I, I think you know, like you said, I think this is the perfect game to prepare us for Clemson because Pitt not only is the game plan to make Ian Book beat you if you're a team playing Notre Dame. Uh, you know, teams we've played in the first four games just haven't been able to do that just because we've been able to maul them in the run game. Pitt actually has the dudes to make this sketchy. I don't know if we reach 200 rushing yards. You know, I, I think we can break 100, but right now Pitt's giving up less than 70. So anything over 100, around 150 is pretty damn good against the number one rushing defense in the country. But, you know, they – do the same thing. They they were the first team in 2018 to really get a read on Ian Book and how to defend him after his first few games. They threw blitzes at him. They made us, you know, win matchups man to man against their DBs. Luckily enough, in that 2018, we had Boykin, Claypool, Alze, Matt, Komet, a lot of weapons that had proven that they could get open against man coverage. Right now, we don't. This is a game where, you know, we're probably still going to line up and. 11, 12 personnel at least get the tight ends on the field. Yeah. Our tight ends have to win those matchups. You get Tommy Tremble. If you're Tommy Reese, you have to get scheme matchups where you're getting Tommy Tremble on a linebacker, Michael Mayer on a jump ball against a six foot safety. You know, this is a game where it is on Ian Book, but I think it's just as much on Reese to put him in a spot because he know we know it's going to be tough on the offensive end. We know it's going to be tough, but he has to scheme us to a place where we we're more talented in a lot of positions, but he needs to scheme us to a point where we're taking advantage of that talent. If we do that, I think we win pretty easily. Because I don't think they have a lot on their offense, but I think it'll be. Uh, I think. Do we know? Do we know who's on the call yet, um, broadcasting wise? Uh, it's McDonough. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll take McDonough a little bit because um, I think it'll be a, a coaching chess match a little bit between a Pitt DC and Tommy Reese because um, they're obviously their defense is very good, but they do throw a lot of different things at a lot of different teams. And in Slav, you pointed out earlier, those corner blitzes from that Louisville was sending kind of really put us in a blender a little bit um, and caused some problems for us. So 
Book is vulnerable to a blitz. Our offense is a little bit vulnerable to a blitz. We'll see how Tommy Reese can can react to that. And uh, I think it'll be a little bit of a chess match from the coordinators on both teams, but uh, on both sides. But I, I'm 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 glad we're picking this game now, and I, I'm going to like to get my pick in before we know whether Kenny Pickett's back or not, because I think it makes a huge difference for them. I um for me, I think the biggest thing this week is going to be. Um, is is going to be for I like I think I think like you said I think the mark uh, outside of the offensive line and defensive lines I think the matchup between the Pitt DC and Tommy Reese is 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 also right up there on the marquee. Um, for me, what I'd like to see out of Tommy Reese this week and the game planning is um, go back to basics and let's start simple. Like with the receiving core, um, if you're not going to put Jordan Johnson out there, then let's start really simple. Let's keep the route short. Let's keep the routes five to seven. And let's uh, and let and let's chip away at it with slants and and with outs and with com- and with yeah with comebacks. Yeah. And then in addition to that, um, I agree with Dono. You, I don't think Notre Dame puts over. You know, if if Notre Dame puts two hundred yards up on the board, over two hundred yards rushing, they win the game because then 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 they've they've won they've won the major battle. Yeah. I don't think they I don't think they will. I think you know you could look for them somewhere between one one fifty and maybe one seventy. Um. Which will mean that that book in the passing will have to be yards elsewhere. That would damn near. But I think I mean, also, that would damn near triple. Pick. Yeah, but I would also. I would also hope to see that Notre Dame works in a lot of play action. Um, for as much as we're able to run the ball, um, using play action, using play action off that run. To get, the, especially get the ball to your best pass catchers right now, which are Tremble and Mayer, um, is going to be really, 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 really important. Um, and that's those are kind of the kind of plays, especially if you're running the running the ball well. Those are the plays you can take shots off. Those are yeah. the plays that you can pick up bulk yardage. So I, I would I would really hope that 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 Reese tries to work in a little bit more play action this week, especially if we can get the run game going uh, a little bit better than than than, uh, than I anticipate. Yeah, those those types of plays. If if we can just get one where they sell out on the run and, and give Book a chance and just make it easier on him to get a chunk play, um, those types of plays just to get us down the field, I think will be huge. I think you're right on that stuff. Yeah. Finally, we'll move on to Q and A. Obviously, a lot on our minds this week. That's why we kind of skipped the grades and a lot of other stuff we normally did. We thought this flowed better as well. I can start for Q&A. This is from John Ryan. How early is too early to consider Kyron Williams a lock for the Heisman? Uh, I'd say uh, right now is, is, is far too early. Um, and I'd say any time in the next six weeks would be far too early. Um, I don't think, unfortunately, that this is the year that Kyron Williams is a, is a Heisman contender. Um, I just I think there are plenty of other – no, and it's not that Kyron Williams isn't great. I'm very happy he plays football on their name and nowhere else. Um, but to have guys like Trevor Lawrence uh, and the the Bama receivers out there, and, and Travis Etienne out there as well, uh, it would be very difficult. Yeah, and that's not even to mention some of the some of the smaller school guys like uh, Sam Bouchelle or uh, or, or Zach yeah. Wilson, um, who who have been able to make a slight case as well. I just, I think it's, a, I think it's a quarterback award at this point, and, uh, and I think there's just the position players are, are better. Yeah, it's probably probably too early when this question was being typed out. Um, I, I'll say it, it, it's <laughs> it's uh, about time when he outperforms Travis Etienne in the same game, because then maybe we're thinking about running back award, running back taking the Heisman, 
Um, and if any running backs can win, it's got it's going to be Etienne right now because he's he's the cream of the crop. Um, but when Kyron balls yep. out on Travis come November seventh, then uh, then we can talk about it. Yeah, uh, I don't have a fancy metaphor, but for example, you look at Najee Harris from Alabama. If a running back's going to win the Heisman, he's got to have insane numbers. I don't think anyone's going to do it this year with the passing attacks we see at the um, uh, top teams in football. But, for example, Najee Harris against Ole Miss over 200 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns in one game. Kyron has four all season. He's a dude. He's awesome. He's fun to watch. But uh, I think he'll be really good, probably the best Notre Dame running back over the next three years. Um, honestly, that we'll probably have in the last since 2000, if not earlier. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, as exciting as he is, but uh... – Let's let's look maybe next year, see what we can get going for that. Yep. Yeah, Slav, you want to take the next one? Do I? I don't know. Do I? Which, which one? All right. I had I had a question um, that I posed from a pseudonym, um, the Mudslide Bandit. But um, but I uh, I asked uh, Ian Book is set to graduate this year. Um, who takes the reins next year? Um, is and is Notre Dame on the market for a grad transfer? Um. Eric, so. you can start. I hope so. I don't know what we have in Brendan Clark. I'd like to see, but I mean, look across the country and see how – I'm not lucky, I guess, but how much these teams have improved by just adding a dude in the fifth years. Usually these guys are five stars. Maybe they won't want to go to Notre Dame. Maybe they'll want to go down south and enjoy the pretty girls. Not saying we don't have them in Notre Dame. There's just a lot more sororities in the south. <laughs> SEC schools, it's a known fact. You're saying um, there's a numbers game. Yeah, it's a it's a numbers game. That's the long and short of it. We have eight thousand students, two thousand per grade. It's it's a numbers game. There's just more volume down south. Um, so maybe they don't, or maybe it's a guy who maybe Notre Dame didn't recruit early on in the process, and he wants to come here and play. I think you take him hundred percent if he's good enough, if he has the arm talent, if. I think the coaches will know what Brendan Clark has. If you can get a guy better, I think you have to take him. It also gives you an extra year to let Buckner develop under him, who's supposed to be the next yeah. guy. I would love to see yeah. him take it to a transfer. Obviously, there's no one on the market. I think uh, it's it's tough to say. You just said it's tough to say before the market, like the transfer market, really opens up. Um, it would be weird for I don't I, no, when was the last time you ever took a grad transfer quarterback? I mean, it's just not something that's really been kind of in our program's DNA. I'd be shocked to see either Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner, uh, more so just because Buckner's going to be a true freshman, um, and Drew Pine is also pretty young. I think Brendan Clark is most likely who we're going to see. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think there's anything that's anything to be disappointed about. Um, he's definitely a question mark, but I think there's definitely a lot of excitement in regards to Notre Dame quarterbacks down the line. Um, I think we got to temper expectations for next year, whether it is a grad transfer, whether it is one of the three guys currently on the roster. Um, there's a lot to be excited about coming down the pike, but right now I'm looking forward to next year. Let's enjoy Ian Book while we can, yeah? Yep. Yeah. He'll win damn near 30 games as a Notre Dame quarterback. Yeah, oh my God. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to end up with a great Notre Dame career. Um, let's enjoy him while we can. All right, so I'll say uh, – let's see – this is from our, um, our, our our valuable listener, Corthy. Uh, who would win in a fight, a 
a saber-toothed tiger with a three-foot spoon or an alpaca with a trident? That's a tough question. I got the tiger. I also I, I don't know why the um like the utensils matter. I mean the tiger is winning any time, right? I mean, can the alpaca even wield I think a trident? Just the nature of the question, like bums. we're assuming that like the alpaca is kind of nice with the trident. That they're dueling that they're dueling <laughs> with uh, Yeah, with and but I just think tooth the, the, the tiger just get like disposes of the spoon and just goes to war. Yeah, I don't think alpaca alpaca alpaca's probably. I don't think they're very alpacasis. I can't or or or, or that intelligent. Like, I would need to see a pretty competent alpaca. Uh, kind of, kind of sleeping on the on the alpaca. Now, alpacas have yeah, a pretty, I mean, alpacas have a punchable face. Okay, but they don't do. aren't don't they like mule up Mount Everest sometimes too? Yeah, so no, they do. They have they're a very they're, valuable I, role I in society. Think... Without them, we wouldn't have a, a very 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 valuable tourist industry that's being uh, over flooded. I watched the E60 about it a couple weeks ago. I'm very passionate about the issue. It's a good E60. Great point. But I still got the tiger. All right. Hey, Corthy, good question. Yeah, great question, Corthy. Good question, Pat. Uh, All right. You want to move to picks? I am going to let you guys handle the picks. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna still be involved, but I think uh, it's kind of unfair, me being the leader right now. I'm kind of blowing you guys out of the water, so uh, I don't really want to give you my, my expertise. All right. All right. But uh, well, you know what? If you're not if if, you, if you're not going to pick this, you, you better win both softball. Yeah, no. Nah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, listeners. I'm out to go um, playing a doubleheader softball, beer league softball game. Um, and we are we're un, we're under 500 right now, so it's a big it's a big couple uh, games heading into the playoffs, and it's it's a momentum thing. And so uh, I, I think as hot as I am on the picks right now, again, also under 500. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get hot at the plate. So I'm going to have the plate and pick up two wins. And All right, boys. Garish. All right, D. Ready to make some picks? Yeah, let's get hot. We're due. All right. We, uh, me and you both need to get hot in the worst way. Uh, we had, we both had some pretty rough weeks last week. What was um, it two and I, four? Yeah. Uh, we were, uh, you were, you were two and four. I was one and five. Uh, I believe I, I believe those are the numbers. Uh, they weren't. They weren't great. Ian. Ian has fallen one game below five hundred. Um, he's fourteen and fifteen. Uh, you and I are both 11, 11 and eighteen. Uh, I'm actually not going to spend the time to go through last week's picks, given that they were uh, they were they were not too great. But let's. You want to just move to this week? Yep. All right. Awesome. All right. So at the game we were just talking about, the game we just spent a bunch of time on. Uh, Notre Dame travels to Heinz Field to play Pittsburgh. Uh, 3.30 kick on ABC on Saturday. Notre Dame is favored by 10.5 points. Who do you like? We'll bet this at 9.5. I think Notre Dame wins 31-21. Maybe less. I don't know. 21-10 maybe. I guess might put my pick in. Either way, uh, if I'm going to bet this game, we're going to bet the under. I've lost a lot of money on the Irish in recent weeks. Right now, until they prove me wrong on the field, I just I see this just as a bad schematic matchup for Notre Dame. Uh, I think Pitt gets within ten. I think it's a ten point game, so at ten and a half, they just sneak inside that number. I uh, I too am on the uh, on the Pitt train. Um, I think that Notre Dame wins uh, by a touchdown, uh, maybe by a touchdown or field goal to make it ten. Um, but I just think. 
the way the teams match up, I think it'll be a low-scoring affair uh, with plenty of time coming off the clock pretty quickly. Uh, I do like the under, although I know it's pretty low already. It was somewhere near 46 uh, last I checked, I think. It's now yeah. down to 43 and a half. That's, that was, I checked a day ago. It's, it's dropped uh, two and a half points since. So, yeah, I think I, 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 it, that's a low under, but I still think I like the under. I just think that um, Pitt's, Pitt's good enough and the way the matchup lines up as far as the, the powers the powers being uh, up front with the defensive line for Pitt and the offensive line for very much. I think it lines up to make this a, a, a touchdown game or a 10-point game. And just like you, uh, Notre, Notre Dame has not really proved me correct thus far when I pick them. Um, so until 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 they flip the script on me, and God, I hope they do this weekend, um, I'm going to have to go with the Pitt Panthers. All right, next uh, next game. North Carolina State goes to Chapel Hill to uh, to play the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina is favored by fourteen and a half. This line also. Moved I think down this is another game. North Carolina's already been in some uh, weird games this year. At, around lunchtime yesterday. I just lunchtime honestly Tuesday. don't think they're that good. Um, but by the time we recorded um, um, Wednesday, Wednesday evening, it was down. To I, I see this weird NC State's a sneaky four and one. Even though I don't think anyone can name a single player on their team, they haven't played an upper half. I guess they played Pitt, who might be in the upper half of the ACC. Um, I don't know. My gut said Wolfpack. I try to. I overthink these games. I'm going with the pack. You want the Wolfpack? Okay. I'm. My gut um, actually opposes your gut in this uh, instance. I'm choosing Tar Heels. Um, I think that hopefully, hopefully, I, I'm banking on the fact that Tallahassee was a wake up call for the Heels and for Sam Howell, um, and that. They they get back home um, in Chapel Hill for a noon kick and uh, and can kind of right the ship this weekend. Uh, Fourteen and a half is a big number, um, but I would like to I, I you know I ho- hope maybe even a late garbage touchdown or a late garbage field goal uh, bails me out here. But I'll I'll, t- I'll take I'll take the heels uh, laying the fourteen and a half. I don't love that it's over it's over that fourteen, but uh, but I'll live with that. All right, next next game. Uh, Iowa State slight Cyclones go to Stillwater, Oklahoma to play Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma, the Cowboys are favored by three and a half at home. Uh, I believe is that also a three thirty kick or is that a noon kick? That is a three thirty kick. That's all. It's also a three thirty kick. All right, who do you got? Yeah. I think Oklahoma State's better than a lot of people give them credit for just because they're in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm just looking. I like the over in this game. It's sitting at 52. I think it goes over. Yeah, it's a low line for the Big 12. Um, all right, gut said Oklahoma State. I'm going with Oklahoma State. I'm not overthinking these this week. I uh, I too am going back with uh, with the Cowboys. Uh, Chain is it Saunders or Sanders? I think it's Sanders. I'm Sanders. Not sure. Shane Sanders comes back. We'll go with Shane Sanders. Shane Sanders comes back this week. Um, healthy and ready to go. Um, Chuba Hubbard back in the backfield um, at home. Uh, I think that the Cowboys definitely definitely have a good chance uh, to to win by to win by touchdown here. Um, again, I don't love the um, I don't love the, the half point hook there, but uh, you're living to die with that, and hopefully, hopefully, I live with that here uh, with Oklahoma State uh, at home. All right, welcome back to the Big Ten. Michigan Wolverines will travel will travel to to Minneapolis to take on Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers. Uh, that's a night game. I think that's the as that I think that's the ABC game. 
Um, it's also they're also get they also get game day this week. Um, this line has also moved down from two and a half uh, from three and a half down to two and a half. So Michigan is favored by two and a half on the road uh, in Minnesota. Who do you got? Minnesota at home? You kidding yep. me? I know there won't be fans, but I you know. So home turf. I also can't pick Michigan. Uh, so. You'll you'll catch me dead before you catch me picking the Wolverines. Um, and outside of that, I uh, I'm a big Tanner Morgan fan. Um, you get Rashad Bateman back. Uh, I trust PJ Fleck. And for all these reasons, I think the two and a half is a no brainer um, for, uh, for Minnesota. And they too already will already already are and will be my uh, my money if my money line sprinkle this week. I would like to uh, I would like to. To definitely hammer hammer the Gophers on Saturday night. All right, uh, intrigue, intriguing one here. Non-power five to close out the week. Another rank first, another rank first rank matchup. The Bearcats, Cincinnati Bearcats, travel to Dallas to take on the SMU Mustangs. SMU at home, favored by two and a half. What do you got? Uh, SMU can put up some points, but UC's got a good defense. They haven't let me down yet betting on them. Which- Hains me to my core. Let's go to pick him against Tulsa. I'll pick him again this week. Go Cats. Yep. You got the Bearcats? All right. I uh, This one's tough for me. I think if, if Robertson's playing in the game for SMU, I think it's a no-brainer. The line's probably a little bit bigger as well. But with that said, SMU told me, showed me that they can they can still play pretty well, um, although it did, it did take them overtime against, against Tulane. Um, I don't know. This, this game's a tough game. Uh, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go with Cincinnati on the road. Um, that that's it. that was my re- initial gut reaction. I almost just flipped, but I'll go with the Bearcats. Um, would love to see former Notre Dame wide receiver Michael Young Jr. get in the end zone again. That was uh, that was pretty fun. Would love to see him get punch one back in. Uh, tight tight game though. Tight game from Dallas. Yeah. Uh, but I'll take the Bearcats. All right, you got a lock for me? Yep. I've been podcasting in this shirt, I think almost every episode, maybe not one, but it's my Georgia State Panthers T-shirt. Haven't bet on them yet. Probably should have been. They are plus two and a half, I believe. I can't get FanDuel because it's blocked currently on my uh, work laptop. But I see them at plus two and a half against the Troy Trojans. I think they win. I think they win that game straight up. I'm betting on the they Panthers. Are t- they are two and a half. Um, they, FanDuel does have them at two and a half. So you Damn. have you'll have Georgia State at Troy uh, okay. at Troy, and you'll take them. You'll take them plus the two and a half. All right, awesome. Clemson money line. Um, love that. Love that pick. Uh, actually, I, I like that pick a lot. I think Georgia State wins that game as well. Um, all right, we're gonna don't have a, don't have a lock from Ian. Um, my lock. Um, okay, so I had two. I'm gonna put one down on paper because I really need a win, um, and I think this one's this one's favorable. I'm gonna take Baylor going to going to Austin to play Texas. Uh, Texas is favored by ten and a half. Uh, I think Texas has proven that they're not as good as I thought they were. Um, and it doesn't really what that doesn't really matter what Sam Ellinger does on offense. Their defense can't stop anybody. I think that Baylor keeps this uh, pretty tight uh, within a touchdown, at least if not 
if not, I think they have, they, have a, they have a solid chance to win the game. Uh, probably pretty good value on the money line, but I'll take I'll take Baylor. Um, I'll take the Baylor Bears. Is over under going to Texas. Over under. The over under is sixty one and a half. What's going on? The Big Twelve. Um, Oklahoma also the Oklahoma game. I think I forget who they're playing, um, but that one also had a low number. Uh, they're playing TCU. That was that's fifty eight and a half right now. So there's uh the the Big Twelve the Big Twelve lines on the over under are, are questionable. The last one wow. I did want to throw out. I'm not going to put this one in my uh on my score on my on my card this week, but uh, Rutgers going to East Lansing, uh, lane three and a half. Welcome to the Greg Schiano era. Uh, starts this weekend. Uh, I think Rutgers. There's no chance Rutgers wins the football game, but would love. But I think they'll they'll keep it close in East Lansing uh, against against uh, against this Michigan State team that, that's had some turnover. Um, the Schiano era starts now. But we'll, we'll go we'll go with Rutgers at Michigan State. All right. I think that's all I have. All I have as well. I think I would I like Penn State minus six and a half against Indiana I, if I had to pick a I also, Sean Clifford now that's over pick. I uh, I also like that one as well. I think that uh, I love, I really like Penn State. It's just the uh, them going to Indiana uh is is a little bit tricky. I yeah. think it, it remains to be seen what this what this Indiana team is. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. That's all we got. I think that's all we yeah, got. You guys are tuning in once again. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah.